The Greek word heretikos means pertaining to causing divisions, factions, division-making. Is it wrong to aggressively call out heretics? Is it unloving to point out the erroneous or even heretical teachings of others? Heretics have been around since there has been a community of faith, and they have always represented, to varying degrees, a threat to the peace and purity of that community. Welcome to the Reformed Rant. This is episode 24, and we're ranting about heretics today. Let's kick this off with a discussion of some, just some texts of Scripture that deal with this, this issue. What people do not realize is the extent to which the Bible, and especially the New Testament, deals with the issue of heresy and heretics. If you were to take the pulse of most people in modern evangelicalism, you wouldn't think that the Christian religion, as it was originally set down in in the writings of Scripture, would be terribly concerned with heretics or heresy. But when you open the source of original ancient Christianity, the Bible, and specifically the New Testament, but the whole Bible, you find a very different view of heretics and heresy. And the amount of attention that is devoted to these subjects or this subject of heresy or heretics is incredibly large. There's a huge amount of attention devoted to this issue. Let's jump in at Acts chapter 20. The apostle Paul is leaving the Ephesian elders. He suspects he is never going to see them again, and he leaves them with some instructions. And part and parcel of those instructions is this. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, writes to his audience and says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who 
bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Jude, in his tiny epistle, writes this, For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And then coming back to Paul in Galatians chapter 2 with the Galatian controversy, he says, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Notice in Acts that Paul calls these divisive men, these heretics, fierce wolves. Peter refers to them as false teachers who secretly bring in destructive heresies, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Jude says... They have crept in unnoticed. He says they are ungodly people and that they pervert the grace of our God. And then again, Paul to the Galatian community tells the Galatian believers that they are false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy on us. It is clear then, heretics are a menace to the body of Christ and demand special attention. Like the cancer and threat they are, they are to be dealt with soberly, righteously, and with all seriousness. Let's talk about it. We are going to pick up with a, t- a, t- a thread on Twitter that um, was recently put up regarding the shooting that took place in San Diego, California, in the synagogue. It just so happens that the young man who committed the shooting was raised by parents who are members in the OPC. And in fact, his dad is apparently an elder in the OPC and has been for something like 20 years, I think is the, is the number. So much now is being made of this. Much is being made of this by a movement, a group of people who have crept into the evangelical churches and have started to receive notoriety and attention over the last two or three years. People like 
Anthony Bradley, Thabiti Anyabwili, Kyle Howard, um, Jamar Tisby, uh, Micah Edmondson, and such. Now, this movement and these people, most of them, not everyone necessarily um, either sympathetic towards some of the teachings of these guys are heretics, but the movement itself is heretical because it is extremely divisive. And most of the people involved in this movement are bitter, unforgiving racists. And this comes out quite clearly in their writings, in their tweets, in their blogs, in their podcasts, in their focus, in the thrust of their very ministry. The very thrust of their ministry seems to be racist at heart. And so I'm going to use some examples of some tweets from people who are associated with this movement and uh, the the issue that the event that happened in San Diego to demonstrate that the Christian church needs to rise above this nonsense and it needs to purge this kind of hate and division from its midst. And those people who are driving this agenda need to be removed from the church. They need to be censored from evangelicalism. The leadership in the evangelical churches should stand up and call this out and shut this conversation down. Not that they can stop the conversation, not that they can stop the tweets, not that they can stop the blogs, but they can certainly marginalize these people by putting the proper odor, the stink on them that they should, as opposed to allowing them to continue with their hate speech, to continue with their division, to continue with their philosophies and ideologies that are antithetical to Christian theology, Christian doctrine, Christian practice. They can shut that down by not allowing them to speak at conferences, by shunning them, and by shaming them openly so that other Christians uh, understand the, the nature and the seriousness of these comments. So I'm going to start with, with Anthony Bradley. It's actually the, apos, the, it's actually the absence of what's never said, Bradley says in this tweet. When white nationalism is never regularly condemned in a culture where you know it exists, such as white Calvinism, the gospel never pricks the conscience, conscious, he says conscious, it's conscience on issues like, like that. So here Dr. Bradley is using this incident 
of this shooting in San Diego to say that if the OPC, which is a bunch of white Calvinists, um, who obviously, um, because they don't condemn white nationalism, must participate in it, then the gospel never pricks the conscious, con- conscience on issues like that. Well, uh, Jude 19 says this about men like Bradley. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. This has nothing to do with white and black. It has nothing to do with melanin. The OPC church is no more responsible for this young man's going out and being influenced by this right-wing nut group than Bradley is himself. See, the, uh, the problem here, folks, is that these guys who take up this position and whose thrust is in this area, this is how they think. The problem is to them, Christianity is a, a naturalistic ideology, just like any other false religion just like a philosophy. You look at the philosophy, you like the system, you think the system uh, works, it fits, it's attractive to you, you think it makes sense, and so you decide to believe it. You willingly choose to become a whatever. Uh, To them, the whatever is you willingly choose to become a Christian after you've evaluated it and so on and so forth. And so that is Christianity to them. Uh, and this is exactly what Christianity is not. But it's a, it's a big part of the problem in our churches today because so many people think that way about the Christian system, about the Christian religion, about Christianity. And it is wrong-headed thinking. You see, these men, these people, as Jude says, are worldly-minded. The, the Greek word is psukikos, Uh, It is to be concerned with the natural world and whatever belongs to it. This is not just to obsess over material success or careers, uh, but it is also to obsess to the point that your primary focus becomes a this-world focus. Your goal is to make this world better, this culture better, this government better. Rather than preach the gospel, You spend most of your energy on making men more moral by fighting for things like equality, um, against poverty, uh, for open borders. You lose sight of the gospel as the power of God unto salvation, and it becomes the power of God to end oppression in the here and now. That is a worldly gospel, and it eclipses the genuine gospel that is grounded in Scripture, the gospel of grace that is effectual only through faith in Christ alone. So I'm honestly not sure what white Calvinism is. Um, I know that white nationalism exists, the same as black power exists. Um, I know that both of those movements are fringe, radical movements held by such an infinitesimally small number of people that they can't 
honestly be categorized as a problem. And insofar as the as numbers go, I would say that neither one of these, there is no evidence, say it this way, there is no evidence or proof that white nationalism or white Calvinism, whatever that is, is a problem in the churches. There's no evidence to suggest that white nationalism or white Calvinism, as Bradley calls it, is a problem in the churches. There's no proof of that. And if Bradley or any of these racist heretics want to prove otherwise, well, then that's up to them. They'll have to, they'll have to pull together the numbers rather than point to uh, issues like what this kid did, which is a logical non sequitur. There is no causal link between this kid's parents being OPC and this kid being sucked into a white supremacist group on the internet and going and doing what he did. He is unregenerate, blinded by the God of this world, does not know Christ, and therefore these kinds of things happen to unregenerate people all the time. It, where their parents go to church is completely irrelevant in most of these cases. There are some cases where this, where this is the problem. But again, the, the numbers are so infinitesimally small that you cannot link any kind of movement that is big enough to be considered a problem in the churches, okay? Outside of the fact that any kind of sin is a problem, in and of itself, that's not what I mean by problem. I mean that there's some sort of movement, like the racist movement that these guys are participating in. That clearly has garnered enough attention uh, to itself and enough people tweeting about it and blogging about it and podcasting about it all the time that it has become a problem. For example, the celebration of Martin Luther King Jr., MLK 50, you see. That's a problem. That's a legitimate problem that requires attention and discussion. Dwight McKissick is the next guy that we look at uh, in a tweet that he is uh, uh, sending out, and it's along the same lines. McKissick is also uh, a, a uh, outspoken uh, SBC black pastor who is also racist in most of his tweets on this subject. Okay, when it comes to this subject, he lands on the side of being a racist. Orthodoxy, he says, is simply an insult to SEB, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, Aiken and Strickland. It's chauvinism and sexism to deny women opportunities not restricted by the Bible. It's racism to oppose Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary's kingdom diversity initiative. So he's he's supporting Danny Aiken's 
movement and leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And from my perspective, Aiken should have been dismissed and deposed a long time ago. He should have been subject to church discipline a long time ago uh, because his views and his leadership are obviously far out of step with Scripture. And someone needs to come alongside him and confront him with the truth of Scripture. Now, here's a man who openly talks about chauvinism, Dwight McKissick, and sexism while at the same time. While at the same time, folks, calling Martin Luther King Jr. a godly man worth celebrating from a Christian perspective when he knows that King had a long history of treating women like sexual playthings. This is the thing, guys, that really, when you look at it, is embarrassing for the church. It's embarrassing for the body of Christ to be in a position where you have men who are doing this, talking about uh, making all kinds of remarks about equality and, and systemic racism and white supremacy, and it's just a continual dripping and a continual judgmental attitude on men like Jonathan Edwards and Whitfield and slavery and uh, all of these things that are, for the most part, in America's past, but they just continue to pound it and pound it and pound it. And so here's Dwight McKissick uh, really coming down on a, a harsh, critical, divisive tone of those who are concerned about putting women in ministry that is clearly a violation of Scripture, clearly a violation of Scripture. It's not open for debate. The Scripture couldn't be more clear that women are not to be placed in positions of authority where they are teaching men uh, and where they are pastoring or leading men. That is not their role. And the Bible is clear on that. Paul was clear. Okay. Now, these guys will do this and say, oh, yeah, it's chauvinistic to do this. Uh, we need to respect uh Females, we need to respect women. And then turn around and say, oh, Martin Luther King was a godly man when he knows that Martin Luther King treated women like sex objects and was a serial adulterer. It is rank hypocrisy, not just heresy. It is rank hypocrisy to do this, okay? So with, with all due respect... The hypocrisy of McKissick's rhetoric makes it impossible to take his contribution to these discussions seriously. We're not talking about somebody who made a mistake. Not uh, Let's not even call it a mistake. We're not even talking about someone who uh, had a moral failing and has been recovered, which the Bible talks about in Galatians chapter 6. We're not talking about someone like that. We are all believers we have moral failings, and it's our duty to recover one another when that happens. We're talking about someone who had a lifestyle of sexual immorality and drunkenness and heresy. I mean, completely and totally rejecting core Christian doctrine. And Dwight McKissick holding him out as a great man of God, an example for us to follow. And then he's, he's making tweets like this. So the hypocrisy is absolutely obvious for anyone 
who cares to open their eyes and see. Micah Edmondson, and maybe it's Mika Edmondson. I don't know how to pronounce Edmondson's name. Morning, he says this on this tweet, mourning the loss of Lori Gilbert K., 60-year-old mother, killed while shielding her rabbi at uh, Kabad Synagogue yesterday. And I, th- I think it's Kabad. So, I mean, that that's the Hebrew word, right? So, um, I was horrified to learn that her, mu- her that her murderer is a member of the OPC. Brainwashed by white nationalism in the very midst of a reformed congregation. And Edmondson's tweet that he would imply a causal link between this kid and the OPC in any way is a pathetic attempt to prop up his own racist and divisive narrative. This is his standard operating procedure, folks. Standard operating procedure. If Edmondson wants to tweet out sympathy for this woman who lost her life. Now, she's a woman in a false religion defending a rabbi who's proclaiming a false religion. And she lost her life in the middle of doing that. Let's just be clear here. When God sees this woman, he sees someone who gives him the middle finger. She lost her life, and that's sad. That's sad. But at the same time, at the same time, these are people who are God-haters, who are rejecting God, who are giving God the middle finger. Now, we do not rejoice in the death of the wicked. But when you look at this tweet, here is Edmondson, and he's kind of placing this lady on a pedestal of sorts as if she's a saint, while at the same time, having a blanket indictment of this OPC congregation and, by extension, the OPC itself. And it is such an unfair, unkind, uncharitable thing for him to do. Prayers go out to Lori Gilbert Kay, her family. They lost their mother, in a senseless act of violence. That's enough. That's all you need to say if he wants to extend sympathy. But he can't do that. He wants to use this as an opportunity to support his narrative. It's the lens through which these guys see everything. They put on these goggles, these these racist goggles, and it's how they look at the Bible. It's how they look at the culture. It's how they look at incidents like this. It's how they look at everything. We move on to Kyle J. Howard. He says, to be even more specific, the battle against cultural Marxism is fleeting. It will be remembered as a bunch of angry folks crying out the sky 
is falling. He says, the church's battle against racism, misogyny, abuse has lasted millennia. White supremacy, centuries. Battle rages on. Now look, I don't pay much attention to Kyle J. Howard. Um, I'm not really active on Twitter anymore. I tweet my pods, podcasts. I tweet my blogs but I don't go in and read the tweets and I don't say anything. I have made a decision to leave t the Twitter world and not be active there. I f frankly find it very frustrating, the things that are going on on, on Twitter. Now, I look at uh, the, the emails that I get from people that I follow and I kind of keep a pulse on some of these things. Um, but that's the extent of it, and I will uh, I do that to kind of understand what the enemy's up to, and uh, as a result, I will blog about some of the things I'm seeing, or I'll podcast about some of the things I'm seeing, like this. Now, look, regarding Kyle J. Howard's tweet, only the most blind and ignorant, or the most devious among us, would ever deny the pro the progress that cultural Marxism is making in our culture. Look around you. It is making progress on every side. All right? It has never been, it has never been the calling of the New Testament church to eliminate specific sins from society. Nowhere in the Bible do you find any kind of focus on a specific sin and let's get rid of it. Let's make sure that it doesn't exist in our culture. What we do is we eliminate all sin from the community of faith. Those people professing Christ come into the body. We concern ourselves with the doctrinal and moral purity of the body. We die daily. We mortify the deeds of the flesh. So as Christians in our own life, we are working and cooperating with the Holy Spirit as he is eliminating sin from us as we grow in Christ, as we grow in grace. As for the world, you're not going to eliminate sin from society. And it is a fool's game to think that it's wise to pick a sin and try to eliminate it from the world. That is not the calling of the church. That is social gospel nonsense. That's cultural Marxism wearing the label of Christianity. There's a, a, a mixture of theonomy in there, a hermeneutic that borrows from, from the ancient theocracy, confuses issues, mix in black liberation theology and other liberation theologies, and just kind of dumps all of those things into the mixing bowl, mixes them up, and voila, you've got this movement that is creating division in the body of Christ because these are worldly-minded men with a worldly gospel doing worldly things. That's, that's really the, the point of all this. White supremacy at one point was an issue in American history. There's no question about that. No one would ever deny that. And in those small pockets, even amongst those people, the infinitesimally small radical fringe groups, where it is still a problem, uh, it is repugnant. And the Christian church rightly stands up and opposes it. And no one 
No community of faith should ever receive into its membership anyone who holds to ideologies of white supremacy. These are contrary to the nature of the gospel. Is it a problem in the churches? Is it a problem in the SBC? Is it a problem in evangelicalism? That is Kyle J. Howard's burden to prove. He has to demonstrate that it's a problem. You can't make up nonsense stories. You can't tie the, uh, the, the synagogue shooting to the OPC and say, see, it's a big problem in the churches. That is absurd. That is absurd. What language like this is, is manipulation by men whose claim to Christ is highly questionable and whose motives are extremely suspicious. I'm not saying Kyle J. Howard is not a true believer, doesn't possess true faith. He's truly blind. That's the one thing I am saying for sure on this issue. And he is a heretic in this case, as he is driving division and creating confusion in the body of Christ. Now, if you were to ask me, do you have good reason to accept his, his testimony? The answer is no, I do not. On its face, I would not accept Kyle J. Howard's testimony or claim to Christ. Not for a second. What would have to happen is a lot of conversation around a lot of the things he says and seems to believe, and there would have to be a lot of change in, in his position and in who he is for me to see him as a, a fellow brother in Christ. Right now, I don't see him that way. I am suspicious of him as a false teacher. All right. Now we move to the darling of the SBC who seems to want to jump on the bandwagon of all of these things, Beth Moore. Beth Moore says there are simply no grounds for defending white supremacy. None. This isn't theological rocket science. The Savior of the world gave himself on the cross for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father wearing a brown body. No reputable theologian or pastor takes anything Beth Moore says seriously. That's first. No one. No one. Nevertheless, the darling of the SBC does influence men and pastors through influencing their women, their wives. And unfortunately, there are a lot of effeminate and weak-minded men who actually do embrace Beth Moore and follow her teachings and read her and listen to her and think that she has something interesting to say, that she has something intelligent to say. And uh, I'm here to tell you that she doesn't. She has nothing interesting to say. She has nothing intelligent to say. Her influence has been creating, creating division in the body of Christ for years now. This is a woman, this is a kook, who says God spoke to her and told her to brush a man's hair, a strange man's hair in the airport. A stranger. Take out your brush and go brush his hair. Why would any any why would any reasonable, responsible, intelligent, mature human being ever hear someone like Beth Moore retell that story and claim that it happened and continue to take her seriously? Why wouldn't her telling of that story immediately cast doubt 
and suspicion on her credibility? Why wouldn't it destroy her credibility? The reason it doesn't destroy her credibility, folks, is because the churches are filled with false converts. That's the reason heretics are, are so rampant in the evangelical churches today. It's the reason we have MLK 50 events. Our churches are filled with false converts. And I'm going to just continue to beat this drum. We have got to find the courage to purge the body of the leaven, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Romans 16, 17 says this, Watch out for and avoid those who cause division contrary to the teaching of Scripture. Mark them and avoid them. Know who they are, stay away from them. 2 Thessalonians 3.14 says, Take special note of people who do not follow Paul's instructions and do not associate with them. Yeah, no, don't invite them to your conferences. Don't associate with them. Okay, some people want to just say, Oh, well, that's just the gospel. Well, that's not what Paul said. Paul said, take special note of people who do not follow our teachings in this letter and don't associate with them. And his teachings in 2 Thessalonians are not just the gospel. He taught a lot more than just the gospel. Second John 10, John says, Do not receive into your house or bless anyone who does not adhere to the teachings of Scripture. This is hard medicine for a society like ours who doesn't want to judge anybody and who wants to receive everybody at face value. You can't do that as a Christian. It's not permitted. Now, what is the guide here, right? So we look at this and say, well, what, what, what teachings can we, you know, what teachings can we look at someone and say, look, you're rejecting a teaching of Scripture. I mean, does this, does this apply to things like the rapture or uh, other areas that might be somewhat controversial. The, the, the guide for this has to be clarity, right? I work in the financial services industry in adult learning and development. And uh, the financial services industry will issue rules around uh, making sure that recommendations are made to clients that are in their best interest Right, And so the language will ask the question, is this recommendation appropriate to the situation? And there's a standard there that says, if this recommendation were examined by any prudent, reasonable financial professional trained in the industry and determined to be reasonable, it was within reason to make the recommendation to this particular client in this particular case, then it would pass the standard of being appropriate. Well, I think something like that applies to Scripture. We call it the clarity of Scripture. There are teachings in the Scripture that are clear that any reasonable person filled with the Spirit would look at those, would look at that text and recognize, yeah, it, it's pretty clear that it, it's teaching this. Well, that's got to be the guide. There are some things in Scripture that are admittedly not clear. 
such as eschatology. There, there are some things about the end times and the events and what's going to happen and how it's going to work that we don't have a great deal of clarity around. Therefore, in those cases, we are more charitable in terms of disagreement. It is difficult for us to, to draw a line in the sand. There are other things that it is not, uh, that Scripture is not unclear on. Charity, Christian love, making racism part of the gospel, eliminating specific sins from the culture. There's nothing in Scripture to support these kinds of behaviors. And if you just look at Scripture, you recognize that this has to be the case. So it is the clarity of Scripture. If someone comes to you teaching something like these guys are doing that is not supported by Scripture clearly and that runs contrary to Scripture clearly, then you have to note them and do not associate with them. Do not have anything to do with them. Do not invite them to your conferences. Do not extol them. Do not promote their books. Do not praise their names. Warn people about them. You don't have to, you don't have to pronounce them lost you don't have to question their salvation. You don't have to go that far. All you have to do is warn the sheep that there's a wolf over there. Stay away from that wolf. There have been heretics who have entered the body or attempted to influence the body of Christ from the very beginning. From the very beginning. They have a long history of creating division in the body. A long history of creating division in the body. Okay, fact, division in the body is a far more serious problem than most Christians in our culture recognize. It's a far more serious problem. Malicious melanin-based slander has become a popular tactic of certain individuals, and it is clearly a serious sin to be avoided. It is heresy in that it creates division and hate in the body of Christ. It is contrary to Christian charity, top to bottom. This is clear. Christian charity sets itself against this kind of hateful rhetoric and seeks to seeks to, uh, to preserve, I think is the word I'm looking for, the unity of the body in truth and love. And then finally, think about it this way. I, I say this all the time when it comes to, to this idea of unity. It's not either or. It's not either truth or unity. It's not either love or truth or unity. Christian love never compromises Christian truth for the sake of Christian unity. Christian love never compromises Christian truth for the sake of Christian unity. Thank you for listening to the Reformed Rant. If you're listening to the Reformed Rant on a mobile device in the Anchor app, uh, you are able to leave a message, ask a question, make suggestions, give us feedback. I'd appreciate that. If not, you can go over to Reformed Reasons uh, and uh, reach out to us there, leave a message um, uh, in, the, uh, in the comments section of the podcast, and I would be happy to interact and respond. Thank you very much for listening. God bless.
This podcast is part of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. Biblical Christianity's marketplace of ideas. BibleThumpingWingnut.com Well, it's all Someone to tell you everything Sit around and wonder what tomorrow will bring Maybe a diamond ring